0: We want to remind everyone we have social media exclusive content like our 2-Minute Drill as well as other video content. To find that, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for more. Welcome back. We are kicking off episode number 4 on the let Frank video podcast. I am Jason Dewey and we have a great show for you tonight. We have recaps from week 3, week 4 previews, Tulane, LSU, and Saints talk along with some other college football discussion. And Coach is going to talk about how to build culture in football. So we want to thank our title sponsor, Accardo and Dufresne Law Firms, your go-to River Parish lawyers. I want to once again thank them for being the title sponsor of our show. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. So we're going to bring on Head Coach Frank Monica. Coach, uh, week four uh, is about to be upon us. And at this point in the season, you start to see district play kind of building in and the power ratings start to matter did you look at the power ratings this much in this point in the season with so much season left to go
1: no you really don't I think you don't pay attention to them I think everybody's got their head down because uh, the most important thing that people need to realize once you get into district play your power ranking is not going to change very much Uh, so these preseason games are very very important uh, because in district play they cancel out one another and what I'm talking about you playing this team, somebody's going to win when you get in district play. But we're still a ways away from district play, except in the Catholic League was a bigger district. So we still have a lot to, I think in, within two weeks, or halfway through the season. Then I think you'll start to play out and you'll see a trend about who's going to be where. It won't it won't teeter one way or the other after about that fifth or sixth game.
0: All right, Coach. So let's go ahead and dive into our prep talk where we're going to recap week number three. Coach, in our first matchup, we had Newman taking on Benton in a big Thursday matchup. Newman won 37 to 27 in that ball game, and that's a nice road trip win for this Greenies ball club.
1: It uh, looks like Newman is rolling, Coach. And uh, Benton is a good football team. That's a 5 a school. So Newman is putting himself in very, very good power ranking position right now with a 3-0 start. They are open this week, but that's a big win going up to Shreveport. That's a 5A school and two guys that really know one another uh, very well.
0: In our next matchup, we had St. Thomas Moore defeating Brother Martin 41-7. to It's a tough loss to take, but you still have district play coming up, which in the Catholic League is brutal, so you can't look too much at this loss. How do you turn the page on a game like this?
1: Well, I think it's very easy because, brother, I mean, really, St. Thomas Moore has been a, a powerhouse for years. They get some of the best kids in whole Lafayette area, and uh, they have a great program, a big stadium and the whole thing. Uh, when you go there, the, the fanfare is just unbelievable. It's like being at an LSU ball game. So uh, I think that, you know, this game kind of went as expected, uh, but it, when you play somebody good like that, I think the coaches just say, hey, look, we will learn from this in some way or another because you won't face anybody better than that.
0: Yeah, an extremely impressive effort from St. Thomas More, like you mentioned. No surprise. Very well-coached ball club. Destrehan defeated East Ascension. 21 to seven, a tight, tighter ball game than maybe some expected. But you mentioned before the game how physical East Ascension was and Destran just continues to take care of business.
1: Uh, it, I, I tell you just, I don't know if, if uh, East Ascension ever finds any kind of offense. They're just not very good on offense. And I don't know uh, exactly what's going on with the quarterback situation, but they have a very, very big physical team. Uh, they, by far, you've heard this before the best 0 3 team you've ever seen. And they're they're pretty getting off the bus now. And but uh I know they played for that De- with destroying for a while until they finally pulled away. But if they could score, they would have a they could make a run. But right now at 0 and 3, look what they've played. They've played some great competition. West Monroe, Zachary, and now Destrohand. So they don't shy away. So in their district, they will make a run.
0: Yeah brutal pre-district schedule for East Ascension. Let's see if they can get a win in week four. Carr takes took on Warren Easton and won 48 to 14 probably not the score we expected the result might not be shocking but car car has not lost to warren easton since 2015 which is pretty incredible and just another impressive effort for the cougars yeah and the, the
1: talent disparity there is is big too now huh, jason the um warren easton has a good team they're well coached but uh and car is also but Car just has they just have more troopers they got more speed they got bigger bigger linemen and uh but Warren Easton, what they've done with their, with their people. I mean, they're two totally different schools. Um, and, and, and Carr has a, I mean, they've been there before and uh, they got a lot, a lot of support and, uh, they're going to be, I mean, who can beat them? I don't know. It's just, I think game 10 against, against, um, uh, John Curtis is going to be something to to behold.
0: In our next matchup, we had Holy Cross defeating Shawmet 28 to 20. Holy Cross off to a nice start. And, a, a little bit of a cross, well, former cross-town rivalry game there, and uh, looked like it went down to the wire.
1: And it, it did. And I think Shalmet made a bunch of. Errors. I think Coach Tucker was talking about that. How he he made a lot of mistakes in that game they don't uh, commonly make. And uh, but Holy Cross, they have four or five guys that can really go and they're they're game breakers and game changers. So so uh, you can see. I, I think you could probably predict that they would win. But uh, but I think Shalmet had a chance because they they are a lot better football team this year than they've been in the past.
0: In our next matchup, we had LCA defeating Jesuit fifty-one to eighteen. Coach LCA is just a juggernaut. Uh, It it, they're a fantastic ball club.
1: Yeah, they're averaging over fifty points a game, and Jesuit's playing with a lot, a lot of young young guys out there, ninth and tenth graders, and uh, so it's gonna, you know, it's it's gonna take a while for them to grow up, and it. unfortunately the district is not is relentless also it's not going to give them an opportunity to grow up you know so it's going to be it could be tough just time to keep those kids focused from week to week
0: you know next matchup we had shaw defeating Rummel 43 to 28 coach it's been a a while since shaw has won this game Have, have you ever went through a drought like that against a rival against a big a big time matchup and just the emotion that comes out whether it's been consecutive years or not just What's the emotion after winning a game like that that you haven't won in a long time?
1: Well, the emotion is big. This is the question you have to ask. Yourself, did I put everything into this game? I can recall one year, in fact, we played the Two years Lutcher team where they had Jarvis Landry, and we gave them their only loss that year. But my team never re- recovered from a victory. I mean, we put so much into that ball game, or the kids did and the community did, we were not the same team after that. So sometimes you can you can make that a big. And Shaw was looking forward to this game for many, many, for many months. You know, looking forward to playing them there. And uh, that was an ambush that Rumble walked into, especially with being down five starters. And that uh, they lost their starting center in pregame warmup. So I mean, and uh, so that didn't help them out. But Shaw, I mean, it's a big win for them. And uh, and Coach Coasterney is saying right now because of that win that they're back. And uh, and I saw him week one against St. Charles Catholic. And they certainly are a different looking team than you were a year ago.
0: Coach, to be fair, because I was on that, I was on that St. Charles team. To be fair, right? The team that we lost to in the playoffs was a redemptor's team that had Jeremy Hill and Leo Collins. And I can't remember the guy's name. I believe it was Avery Johnson. And that was Patrick Peterson's brother, who's a fantastic and, athlete as well. There was a lot of talent and, on that team. And
1: and and Coots, yep. He was the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic exactly. ball club. Yes.
0: So um, in our next matchup, we had Zachary taking on Saint Aug. Seventeen to seven ball game. Zachary continues to handle their business. Saint Aug, a very good ball club, but again, Zachary continues to build throughout the year. They had maybe a few bumps and bruises earlier in the year, but again, continuing to grow. Oh,
1: they're talented, and you know what did help them. In the fact, that they didn't have to play Curtis, but prior to that, so they could spend a little bit more time an extra week of practice against Saint Aug. So, I mean, that that had to help them a lot, but. Can't take away the, the 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 fact that they're well coached and they're one of their better teams in in five A.
0: In our last recap, we had St. Charles defeating Turlins Catholic forty eight to twenty. The score kind of jumps out at you. Uh, made some defensive plays, did St. Charles, and ended up coming away with the win, getting a little bit of revenge from last year's tough a loss on the road.
1: Right, Turlins came in there with a with a nice a nice run. They were averaging over forty points a game. Uh, their offense really rolling. But um, St. Charles didn't didn't miss a beat. They, St. Charles has real real good skill, and uh, they, they only pointed the ball one time. It went up and down the field. Terlins couldn't stop them. And uh, you know if you can't play defense, it's going to be a long long night. But St. Charles did a nice job of mixing the plays up and and uh, and just getting some distance in there. And they got a big they got a, a pick six at, at the end. Um, but at the end, Terlins kind of went forward on fourth down. But even so, uh, St. Charles dominated that game. It was close in the first half, but they dominated the game and show that you know, their program is just so much further along with the special teams and involved in their good defense and, and an offense that just takes care of the ball.
0: And special teams is a part of the game that you emphasize so much coach for obvious reasons with your experience in college. How, why do you believe that so many coaches overlook the game and how have you utilized that in your time as a coach, as a head coach, especially at the high school level to, dictate a lot of people's game and practice you having to build up to their matchup you know there's a lot of people
1: think about the, the special teams as the kicker and the punter uh but they forget it's the teams uh the whole your kickoff team and they get the hidden yards are so important but the way we practice with the k periods you had four k periods at the beginning of the practice k means kicking periods and that's five minutes long so that's 20 minutes and everybody stops in other words, everybody participates in the special teams and works with it. All the coaches, all the players stop and they work with it. We put emphasis on, unfortunately, a lot of high school coaches think that special teams just to transition from offense to defense and just give me the ball back or let's go play defense. But they don't realize that at St. Charles, it's about making a play. You use that as a, as a let's make a play here. Let's get a great kickoff return, a punt return. Let's block a punt. So we practice that. But you do the drills for that. You just don't do the team. The part of it, their drill work that goes in correlation with that, it leads up to the teamwork. So special teams are so important. Uh, it's being ignored by a lot of coaches, and and, and all they talk about with, the, with the, uh, the offensive and defensive stats, but they don't look at the hidden yards that a special team can create.
0: C- Coach, if you can – and I'm sure there's so many, but if you could point back to one game, one moment, where a special teams play came through and was so valuable that you can point to and say – if for nothing else, then it was worth it in that moment for my team to practice so much special teams. What's one moment that stands out to you?
1: In our state championship game against A-Meet, uh, we had a 315-pound guy that blocked the punt. He blocked the punt. It, it led to a touchdown. And, I mean, without that, because the game ended 9-8, you know, so, I mean, without that, we don't, we don't win the, the football game. Two real, real fine defensive teams playing on the field. But that's just one case. But when you look back at, at the field position, what we call DSA, the drive-start average, that's important when you're playing on a short field. That's why I don't understand why people are not putting in more, um, more emphasis on the kicking game, especially return yard, punt return and kickoff. Uh, I've, I've watched a lot of college games. They, got, they don't block anybody. I mean, I don't understand it. Uh, I watched one Friday night. Nobody was being blocked on it. So all they're doing, they're telling me that on Thursday, they're just going through the drill to get, get to the offense, get to the defense.
0: Coach, I blame you when I'm in, in the house and I'm screaming at the television at this brutal punt return games I'm seeing and people looking at me, I'm like, man, you don't know. Like this is this would never we uh me and me and Steven have said quite a few times we we want to promote uh Coach Monica to special coordinator at LSU. it's terrible. <laughs> go, are. You, 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 go, you go, Yeah, that's yeah, bad. <laughs> All right, so let's look at week four previews that we got. Um we're gonna start out with slide L taking on St. Paul's. Slide L one twenty-one to seven. A year ago, Sydal took a rough loss this past week, but returns a lot of offensive linemen up front. We know that St. Paul's um, has a little bit of an inexperienced offensive line, but a, a solid front seven led by Gavin Bourgeois.
1: They're, they're a physical football team too. That's going to be a brutal battle. Uh, you know, it's going to kick off their district. They're one of those, the, the few teams that have a full district um, in, in the in, in north of the lake there. That's a great. That's a great district along with you know you have the North Shores in there, that you have the Mandeville's in there, and um, uh, the Covington, to Ponchettula, that's a great, great, solid, solid district. In every game, uh, every game could be very, very close there. So it's it's, it's actually who's going to make the plays at the end. You can see a lot of these games go down to the fourth quarter or overtime.
0: And when you look at Slidell, they also have two big defensive linemen up front, former all-district players. It'll be a nice chess match to see that game. In our next game, we have Manny taking on Newman. Manny at 2-1. and one. A little bit unfamiliar territory. Them losing a game. It seems like they've been unbeaten, for the uh, undefeated for the past three years straight. But they're going to take on an undefeated Newman team. Manny won a game down to the wire. And while a lot of people are reminiscing over Arch Manning, look, Eli Friend has done a fantastic job at quarterback. Just a few weeks ago, to for 290 yards and ran for 89 in the game. He's a, a great playmaker. Um, and you know, we'll see how that they match up. It was funny how
1: this game transpired because Coach Curtis, that was at Manny. He's, since then has left, but, uh, you know, he called, uh, he called coach Stewart to say, Hey, can we play? And uh, they went back and forth for a long time before they decided to do that. But it's been very interesting matchup. And, you know, I think Newman's got one of the better teams that they've, they've had in years. I mean, I think they're a complete team now. They can play, they can run the ball. They have a quarterback that's very efficient, and they can play defense. And, and through the years, they have gotten a lot better on special teams. And uh, because I think that, like like you talked about earlier, they put more more emphasis on it. But man is always talented now. So that could be a, a great game. But they're coming down here, so that's a little bit different.
0: Great point you brought up. They did block a punt just a week ago, which led to some points. So that could play into it in this matchup. Next, we have De La Salle taking on St. Charles Catholic. 1-2 De La Salle uh, takes on 3-0 and 0 St. Charles. We know what St. Charles has been able to do. They played an impressive slate. Linebackers Kyle Cannon and Andrew Bosco leading the way this defense, and they've put up numbers offensively too. For De La Salle, um, they've got to find a way to limit intercept limit, limit interceptions, limit turnovers, and keep their offense on the field. Keep St. Charles' defense on the field.
1: I, I tell you, I think this is a real, real good uh, St. Charles football team. It might be one of the best they've had. Uh, they have really, really, good running backs. The guy Willis, is, who was the transfer, he came in. He's really hard to knock down. They have another guy behind him by Scholar Green. They have, they have two real good receivers uh, on, on the outside. Daniel Joseph, a big tall guy, and he just makes plays. And um, they have a lot of play with tight end Brandon Craigle, uh on one on one side. They got some playmakers on their on their offense. And and Brady St Pierre just gotten better every week. I mean, they punted one time last week, and I was probably they, they could have gone for it, but they punted one time last week. So they, and their defense is really really sound. They got some playmakers on defense too. And uh, like you said, Kyle Kemp—he's a, a college prospect that can run. He can—I mean—he goes sideline to sideline. Uh, they got a great punter, in, in, in Brandon Bertucci. Uh, that he can turn the field over for you if, if he needs to be. So the, and the little kicker is coming around. He's just a sophomore, a little miliota guy, and he's won the game for him. This might—I don't know who who can beat St. Charles on their schedule as it stands right now.
0: Very good ball club, and we'll see how things play out for them. Jesuit one and two taking on Curtis, who is. Two and oh, look. Uh, Jesuit took a tough one, they, they took a tough one on the chin against LCA. Uh, Curtis had a big win out of state, and just have a number of guys that can carry the football and touch the football. No, by the way, had two defensive players in Michael Turner and Jason Curtis score touchdowns on defense a week ago. So, the schedule does not get any easier for Jesuit here.
1: No no question about it. I mean and they go into the shrine to play one of those those games that they moved over there to be like basically Curtis's home field now. And Curtis is loaded and uh and they're going to go right at you. I mean, when you play against them, you got to stop the what they call the hard dive, or part of the veer offense. But then all of a sudden, the quarterback will pull it and he'll run. But all those guys will play me because you have got a lot of speed on the outside. Uh, for them, there's only one ball to go around. So, I mean, who gets it? Yeah, That's the main thing. But well, what people don't, don't know about Curtis is that they always play great defense. And they're always being positioned on defense. And uh, and you, you see that constantly. Um, they're always where they're supposed to be. And uh, and they just have a lot of talent to go with the their well-coached team.
0: Coach, how difficult is it to stop that Veer offense specifically? You've had so much experience coaching against it. Why is their Veer so much different and so difficult to stop as opposed to maybe some other teams that run it in the state?
1: Because they, they drill so much. It's drilled into their kids. That all, their, all their teams from the fifth grade down are running the Veer offense when they get there as a fifth grade team. So they run the exact same offense. And, and – uh, if you watch them closely, the quarterback mesh point is actually into the line of scrimmage. So their 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 takeoff is they'll get in the four-point stance and they're taking off. They're blowing you off the ball. And uh, if you can't stop the hard dive, you're not going to win the football game. It starts with that. But they have other plays they can go through too. But if you don't stop the hard dive, you don't have some beef up front to stop them. They'll just blow you away. And you look up. After every handoff, you look up and you say, "Well, we stopped them there, but they gained four yards." said, "Wait a minute! You thought you stopped them, but if you watch their offensive line, their surge is unbelievable." And the quarterback steps into the line of scrimmage; he never makes the mesh point behind the line of scrimmage. And that's something that people don't don't realize until you play them.
0: Thank you, coach. In our next matchup, we have Destrohan taking on Hornville. Destrohan obviously undefeated, three and zero on the year. Hornville getting their first win just a week ago. Coach Destrohan has largely dominated. This matchup over the past few years, and understandably so, they have uh, a number of talented athletes on this team, like we talked a week ago to our guest. Um, and you know, Hanville getting their first week coming in, what's your message to a team when you you're playing a rival of this magnitude, and we know how big this rivalry is in the, in the river parishes? What's the message that you have to drive home to your team when you've, you have had so, so much lack of success against this type of rival?
1: Yeah, well, I think the most important thing that you got to remember, don't do anything uncharacteristic. It's, it's such a big game and you do things that are uncharacteristic in your, in your practice preparation. Don't say, well, we have to install this play, install this play, and you build it up to be so big, then all of a sudden you can't, you can't run all your offense or defense too. Sometimes you put too much in. And you can't get to it, and the uh, kids get confused. You know, you've heard me say this before on the show. A rabbit always runs his favorite hole. If you want kids to play fast, you must, they must first know what they're doing. You know, and I, I, I really, really believe that. And, and I always use the, the analogy. In This ball game. Uh, on a side note, I just watched on TV how. Uh, they're already having some people going back and forth across the river and and uh, they're trying to trace some some people that have done some some things to one another school or stuff like that, so it is a big rivalry. but the most important thing don't change what got you there uh just make it better and i mean I think the players need to know okay in crunch situation, what are you going to call on defense what are you going to call on offense because that's what I know. I play fast if I know that you know and, and I, quickly just use this analogy just use always say this to to my players, you know if you tell me how to get to your house before the GPS and, and uh, all these uh, cell phone deals. You tell me how to get to your house. I've never been there. I'm going to go real, real slow. I'm gonna, I might even stop and ask somebody. I'm going to go real, real slow. But once I've been to your house once or twice, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to get there and go a lot faster. Well, football players the same way. When they don't know what to do, they'll slow down or maybe even stop. So it's important that you don't overload your players and you just play as hard. Remember, after about the first two or three minutes of the game, that emotion is gone. It's all about going back to fundamentals.
0: Thank you, Coach. In our next matchup, we have Brother Martin taking on Washington Parish. Brother Martin, 2-1 and one, with a chance to get back on the right side of winning. I, I think this is a good opportunity. This is a, a physical ball club from North Louisiana and Washington Parish.
1: They, they both are. A, they, this will be a, a battle of the trenches of both teams. You, you're right. Uh, Brother Martin will be a little wounded uh, uh, trying to get back in the win column. Washington Parish, if you play him up there, uh, the word was, I know when Rommel played them, they lined up in the back view and, and went right at people and uh, just put an extra lineman in the back view. And uh, just got to be very conservative, but the, it ended up being a game-winning drive. So uh, I don't know if they can continue to do that, but I do know they have some two real, real big linemen that uh, Brother is going to have to contend with.
0: In our next matchup, we have Rommel taking on Holy Cross. Rommel sitting out one and two. You mentioned it before, having a lot of uh injuries and again dropping that big rivalry to shaw holy cross 3-0 coming in after a rivalry win themselves uh, i think rumble going to have to probably try to slow this game down and holy cross and after the opposite try to speed this game up get your ball the playmakers on the perimeter and see what your offense can do
1: exactly i think holy cross probably licking their chops after rumble's defense performance last week and uh they took advantage of some guys being out and uh and uh, Shaw just ran the ball at him, and and I don't know if, if Rumble had any answer. So, but Holy Cross seemed to have a lot, a lot of speed on the outside, and I'm sure they they'll try to win the jump ball contest on the verticals and stuff like that. Uh, I think you're right. I think Rumble's best game plan is to try to keep the ball away from him and run the ball a little bit more and, and try to keep the, the explosive offense off the field.
0: In our last matchup, we have Carr taking on Saint Aug. Carr undefeated three and O. Saint Aug took that loss to Zachary. Coach, there's nothing really else to say about this. I mean, there's so much talent that we've seen from Carr. We know that St. Aug has the ability and physicality. But, I mean, you know, John Johnson, the quarterback, 11 of 17 a week ago, 233 yards for six touchdowns and rushed it five times for another touchdown. I mean, seven yeah. touchdowns in one day. This, these are the type of athletes that Carr has this year. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: They are, but don't forget, St. Aug's pretty talented, too, and, and it's the first game of the Catholic League, so you can look, you can look for this to, the game to be a little bit closer than expected. I'm not saying that St. Aug will win, but I know St. Aug's will put a lot, a lot of effort into this ball game, and uh, I, I, you look for probably carr to win at the end, but I can see this game at halftime being very, very close within maybe three points.
0: Yeah, I would not expect the same type of matchup that we saw just a week ago against Warren Easton, so we'll see how that game plays out. And we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next segment, our college football talk. In our first matchup, we had Tulane taking on Southern Miss, twenty-one to three ball game, defeating a former coach. We know that Tulane took that loss to Ole Miss and is using it in a positive direction. Coach, it seems like college football is wide open, so one loss does not define your season if you're Tulane.
1: No, and really, I think it had the Pratt been there and he wasn't there Saturday either, uh, the score was 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 the kind of lopsided. It, Tulane dominated this game. I mean, they, they actually had the ball, I don't know how many snaps they had on the plus side of the field, which means cross the 50-yard line. They had several possessions um, on the plus side of the field that they didn't get any points from. And I know Coach Fritz said himself, he, he had a fourth and two. that he turned down a, a chip shot field goal uh, early in the game. It was 7-0 at the time. And then uh, he gave his reasons for, for not going fourth in. But Southern Mississippi was outclassed. And even though the, the backup quarterback did a nice job, but he didn't, he didn't get any yards. You know, he, he actually didn't have one a rush. Well, he had, I'm sorry, he had a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. That's the only time the whole game he ran. That's what they missed, not having Pratt. Pratt can extend the play with his legs. He can run the zone read. Well, you know, this guy he, he ran the zone, but it, it wasn't a zone read because he just handed the ball off. So he was not a threat to run. But basically, it was a solid win for Tulane, and they outclassed Southern Mississippi.
0: In their next game, they're going to take on Nichols at home. When you're transitioning from a conference game, or and again getting a win over a team that you lost to a year ago, so there's definitely some emotion behind that. Uh, what do you look for in a matchup like this where you are supposed to win and you're supposed to win handily?
1: Well, you know that, uh, you know. I, it, it's not fun to play two long because they're so well-drilled, and Coach, Coach Fitz is going to have them ready, and I think that Michael Pratt might be back this week, but he's going to have them ready to play because he doesn't want somebody like Nichols to sneak up on him. On the other hand, Nichols is to look at this as a great opportunity to maybe win him, and I can make some noise here uh, with, a, with, a, with a win here. Uh, the starting center, uh, Evan Russel, was, came to the game the other day at St. Charles, and he said, um, Coach, we're going to be ready. You know, So I don't know if that would be good enough for him to win the game, but I think I don't think that I think has got they got the two attention for sure. I don't think they're gonna sneak up on on Tulane, But yet, uh, Nicholas got enough players that they can make some noise.
0: All right, coach. In our next uh, segment, we've got LSU uh, recap. LSU defeated Mississippi State forty-one to fourteen. An incredible offensive performance by Daniels at quarterback. And then you have Neighbors who had a field day against this Mississippi State defense. It seemed like he was uncovered the entire game, running free. In the secondary, and it made Daniels up a lot easier at quarterback. Uh that's for sure. The defense, we discussed it a little bit before. I think it's a little bit deceiving. I think you do have to look at the amount of wide open passes that Mississippi State couldn't connect on. Credit to LSU's defense for looking better, but still have some work to do. I, I you know, Coach Kelly made some
1: comments in the paper. The players went to him and asked him to tackle live, and I thought that was very interesting. And because, you know, sometimes you, you can create a soft team by not actually hitting at practice. They need to learn to hit. And it showed. And he said, when one of the players, two of the their players went to him and said, Coach, can we tackle live? And they did that. Well, their tackling was really improved in that ball game because it was sloppy against Grambling. It was sloppy against Florida State for the tackling. And you saw the difference, even though Daniels had a great day. But, you know, the neighbors, I mean, it wasn't like he was wide open. There was some nice throws that he put right there. The cornerback's running right with him. And, I mean, one of them was the fourth down call. But um, I really was, was impressed with the, with the way they played. Now, their defense played lights out. And uh, the quarterback is not bad for Mississippi State. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a proven quarterback in the SEC. And I don't think Mississippi State's that bad. But they transitioned their offense. And they, they went for the, the offense that was a spread wide open offense. And they, they went to more of a ball control run offense. And uh, you can tell they're, they, they're having a problem with that.
0: I do want to clarify, you're absolutely right. There there was a lot of phenomenal, especially the deep ball. We've heard that's been one of the issues that LSU quarterbacks have been played with for years, not being able to convert. Daniels did a fantastic job on the deep balls to neighbors in in the last matchup against State. But looking forward, you have Arkansas. And when you have a game in LSU, in Arkansas, that one team builds this game up to be their Super Bowl, and this is a game that you've largely overlooked for years, it snuck up and bit you quite a few times so how do you keep a team focused when this might not be the marquee game that you have circled on your schedule but this is the other team's Super Bowl
1: yeah I think you know the most important thing is that they want to create momentum you know they won two games in a row now they want to create some momentum and once that confidence starts to build in your football team I mean it's unbelievable how easy it is practices go go easier Um, the play calling becomes easier and, and, and everything else, the kids want to be there. And all of a sudden, the, the enthusiasm in the locker room and the confidence level, they'll be start making plays that you didn't see against Florida State. So I think that's what Coach is trying to get. He, he keeps talking about the culture and kind of bring the program together. So this is one of those ball games that you look for, for momentum to be built up. I don't like the 17-and-a-half point spread. That's a mighty big spread to give to a team that, um, that really hasn't arrived yet and needs to prove to be better on defense, in my opinion.
0: I, that's a it's a lot of points, especially as I mentioned. A team when there's a team that builds this game up to the level that Arkansas does, I think that's a large line. We'll see if LSU can cover it and keep winning. And we're gonna go ahead and move on to the Saints segment, Coach. The Saints defeated Carolina uh, twenty to seventeen. Not the prettiest, but like we've said previously, it's it's about winning the games you have ahead of you. And there's so many reactionary people I hear, whether it's on the radio or just out wherever. Look, it's a win. It doesn't matter how pretty it is, especially in the NFL. How many times can you go back and say, if only, if just? It doesn't matter what team you're playing. Every team is good. Every team has talent. And every win matters, especially when you're doing it without your starting running back.
1: And uh, the, the, the two of them. Both of them right. are out. And I, th- I think the big thing, they're not an explosive offense like everybody wants to see right now, but they really have never been that. Even when Bruce was there, they were kind of a team that, that nickel and diamond with a lot of completions and getting the red zone. It looks like they're having red zone problems, and they got down there a couple of times to set for a few goals and stuff like that, but it's, at least they're coming away with points. And I know they had a, had a, a turnover there, but the the bottom line, um, when How many times have they lost ball games like this, but they're coming back on the road with a win? You said it best, Jace. All these guys are getting paid. When you get a win in in the NFL, that's that's super. And at the end of the year, that accumulates and that gets you to the playoffs.
0: The little things make the big difference in the end. And whether it's a play on third down or fourth down or whatever it may be, just win the game. Just find a way to win, and then the rest will take care of itself. Um, The Saints will take on the Packers this week. Another young quarterback taking on this really good defense in the saints uh what do you what do you expect in this matchup well i think love is a good quarterback i think he's got mobility he's got a fine arm uh and
1: then they lost the game at the end but but uh i and go to lambeau field that's a tough place to play i've been there and i mean it's a, it's it's community owned it's owned by the fans itself and it's really it's really quite a spectacle to go there but uh, the bottom line, I mean, I think the Saints will be better than they, than they are right now. They're more proven. But I do think that they, they need to get them, uh, have a little bit more flow to their offense. And uh, I think that's going to come over time. I think Carr can, is a good manager of the game. I don't think he's great, but he's a good, very good manager of the game. It looks like he's very competitive, and that's what I like about him. And he supports his teammates. He looks like he's into it an awful lot. So, um, you no, know, we're all pulling for him. Uh, but it's going to be awfully tough for them to, to pull that victor off at, at Green Bay.
0: Coach, we've seen in a lot of NFL quarterbacks, Carr included, Joe Burrow, a lot of LSU fans out there listening, is another one. Really slow, almost slow off the blocks this season. Uh, how much do you credit that to not ta- maybe not taking enough reps in preseason play? Or what's your thoughts and feelings on preseason play as it relates to quarterbacks and starters in general? Yeah, if, if, if you
1: notice I, I think you need the reps to keep your time in. I think, I think that's very, very important. I think you get rusty. You, you, you tend to throw the ball off the, your back foot or or um, not, not really know the read through real, real quick. And I think you just need to be there. You need those reps. You need to have the noise. I've always practiced at the end of every practice. I wanted a pass rush for my quarterbacks, that I wanted them to understand the noise and people at your feet. It's easy when there's no rush right there just to pick in, uh, on 7 or 7 scale pass. But when all that noise and people yelling and screaming at you trying to tear your ears off, I think you need that pressure. In, and it, that pressure comes in practice. But yeah, I must say this, Jake. If you look at a lot of games, every now and then there's a busted coverage, you know, in the NFL. But most of those completions, if you look from the quarterback standpoint, we see it from a higher angle. We see it from a drone or a higher angle. We see, everything. it looks like it's easy to play. But when you're down there and you're six foot two, and all your linemen are six six or 6'7", six, and the hands in the air by the defensive back, you don't see that field is as, as easy. So it's very easy to throw picks. And so you better know there's a lot about a quarterback that's anticipating whether she was supposed to be, and if he's not there, he looks he looks foolish. But on the on the flip side, you in the NFL, its coverage is always tight, and you see the ball just right there. It's a matter of six inches inside numbers, outside numbers, whether it's a completion or not? And that's what the average fan doesn't understand. He sits, he he gets to second guess it. He gets to see the route. He says, Why did you see this? But when it, when you see the pass rush and those throwing lanes are not. I'm not opened up. It's awfully hard for a quarterback to see the whole field.
0: Coach, everybody's a Heisman-winning Hall of Fame-level quarterback when you're sitting down with your glass of scotch or your beer in your hand on the couch watching the game, right? Amen. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so we're going
0: to go ahead and take a break. When we come back to segment two, we're going to have special guest Tim Dettillier joining us. And uh, we want to once again thank our title sponsor, Ocardo and Dufresne Law Firm, for being the title sponsor of this podcast. Samuel Liccardo Jr. and our R. P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Samuel Liccardo Jr. and Honorary P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Rouse's supermarkets.
3: Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen.
0: Tonight, our special guest is the former head coach of the Lutcher Bulldogs and accumulated 266 wins in a Hall of Fame career. And he's also the current color analyst for the Lutcher Bulldogs on Varsity Sports Now. we me go ahead and bring on our special guest, Tim Dettelier. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. And how difficult is it to transition from being on the sideline or calling a game from a booth as a play caller to adjusting to calling a game in terms of color commentary?
2: It's not that hard, except I don't have anybody to send in to, to, to make the adjustments. Can't send them in from the press box. I've been having fun. Frank Frank Smith is the, is the play-by-play guy, and he is excellent. Frank is excellent. So, a lot of times, I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know how we are, Coach. As coach, it's hard, it's hard enough to really be, be critical as, as analysts, you know. Coach, uh, first of all, I, mean, I need to tell the viewers, Coach, how many state championships have you won at Lutcher High School? Not enough,
2: but <laughs> I was, we, we have nine. I, w- I was there for seven and uh, I was a head coach for four.
1: Yeah. that That's quite a run you had. I know you, not only did you maintain the program, you actually made it better. And in yeah. all aspects of it, what people don't know about Coach you is that not only was he an excellent quarterback at, at, at his years at Lutcher High School, he was also a heck of a second baseman, and he was a, a, a heck of a, a point guard in basketball. So he was a three-sport letterman. I think he graduated. I mean, I don't know if he graduated in the top ten. I know. It, he wasn't like me. I graduated, thank you, Lordy. He graduated cum laude. So, but <laughs> but but, but, but um, Coach, to tell you, I mean, you know what you've done, and I got to say this before we get any further. Um, his wife, Wanda, because they dated all through high school, and Wanda. Was one of my bat girls, you know? When when I was the head baseball coach, one was the bat girl, and when I saw her this summer, that she reminded me of that. I'm not going to say the year because I did not want to date her
2: and this yeah. stuff and yeah. stuff like that. Right. And also, coach, you, you, your your family's tremendous. To, <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm, I'm thankful she's a bat girl because now I'm the football coach, and uh, I, I don't want to mention any names, but uh, AD was a little tight, you know. His initials was Frank Monica, but anyway, uh, I didn't have a hat to fit me, and all that season, I wore her hat that you gave her as a bat girl. <laughs> That's the hat I wore.
1: Oh, I wore your hat. <laughs> <laughs> also, Coach, uh, uh, you know, we and, and Paul, personal friends of mine, uh, Fochet, and, and uh, Wade was actually one of my managers. And um, God bless uh, you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that family, we go way back, Coach. I'm I'm just talking briefly a little bit about them. There have been many changes with the LHSAA, and a lot of people don't know is that. You were part of the executive committee for a while. You we were in all sorts of committees when you were in high school. You were very, very active as being a being a member of a, of the Louisiana I high Let school the league and committees. <laughs> <laughs> and and you were part of the, the our very first Louisiana football coach association committee uh, that that we started way back when. And uh, but so you, you coach, what what's your thoughts now about the LHSAA and and all the things that's going on with it and
2: how the things have changed evolved over the years. Uh, I don't think we have enough time on a, on a podcast to, to cover all that. Um, I, I've kind of lost touch uh, with everybody. I saw new faces and stuff, but um, I know Mr. Bonin is, is, is trying to, you know, when the, when the select, non-select hit, I mean, Mr. Bonin wasn't there, and it, it was unfortunate, you know. But uh, what, what he did, I thought, last year, I thought was a move in the right direction. Uh, you know and I told him that I, I really thought he did a good job. Of course, now with the lawsuit and stuff, and it's kind of up in the air, nobody knows, you know. So, I don't, I don't know where it's going, but but usually, uh, you know, I was friends with everybody in there and I, I'd always know what's going on, but I don't know anybody, so I'm really out of touch. Whatever Robin Fambro writes in the morning, Advocate, that's about what I know. That's exactly what I do too, Tim. And I talked to a couple guys that are in the know. and, and they
1: helped me along those ways, but everybody, you know, every everything's up in the air. Course, the I just want to say
2: this. So <laughs> can, let me just say this. Uh, I thought this year's championship, the majority of the coaches, private and public, I, I, I thought every one of them would, would agree. It was an improvement. And and really all they had to do, in my opinion, is take a vote in January. You know, and I think Mr. Boulinard was a little scared because he, he thought maybe they would vote it out. But... There was a lot of public schools that really liked it, you know. Uh, uh, just a just breakdown of it. It was a, a you know, close-hand enrollment and what have you. I thought it would have passed easy. And had they had that vote, we wouldn't be having this mess right now that, that we have. Exactly. You know I, I agree with that. Nobody wanted carr to go back in the public
1: school for sure, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, uh, Coach, uh, let me switch a little bit. Coach, what do you think of the game of football itself? Uh, and, and the and the way the the rules and the way this changed what's your take on on football and the, the way the game is going right now and we'll we, will, we will t- talk later on about the the transfer portal and the i o stuff
2: okay uh it's you know i was on the, uh with, with max Chauvin. every year i don't know why but he would take me and somebody else and we would go to the uh, rule changes and stuff <clears throat> the only the only problem is when we went to the rule changes it was uh, guys a lot older than me and I you know I don't have that much hair but I had more hair than everybody else there you know, you know and, I, and they didn't want to change anything but obviously they, they they've kind of moved it up to bar. and I, I think it's helped uh, uh, the roof somewhat has, has helped the offense uh, a little bit but um, um it, it's okay the, the problem right now in Louisiana anyway there's a shortage of officials we have some excellent officials, but. Uh, not enough of them and uh, you know I go every Friday night and and hey we're all human we all make mistakes but but uh, back in the day when you and I coached, we you know it seems like we knew them all and now I don't know any of them because <laughs> <laughs> you know we,
1: we, um, the over your years you've had a lot of success Nat with all your state championships and, and being in the hall of fame what were some of them? the better players, can you recall some of the better players that you've coached? Uh, you know, one that jumps out at you. everybody talks about Terrence Jones. Oh, okay. well, I,
2: I, I, I'd have to start with Terrence Jones. I mean, he was, you know, they call him Tete, and he was, uh, he, he, he can throw it, but boy, he could run it just as good as he could throw it. He had, and had a real strong arm, but also had the touch. He, uh, uh, he was, I was offensive coordinator at that time. It was a, uh, uh, he was in the early 80s, and of course, we won it in '83, <clears throat> and uh, he—he he was one of the main reasons. Of course, we had a guy in the backfield he could hand it to it was Tommy Minville. Yeah, he—he he went up north. I think it was northeast where at the time that he signed, and. Uh, he was a, uh, you know that 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 gang with uh, a wop and L.C. mail and stuff. Whenever we gave the ball and there was a power and Tommy would run and the whole pile would move. And you know they were yelling in the stands, "Put the blade down." Put. <laughs> anyway, after, after that, uh, um, we we always were blessed with skilled players. I guess the next uh, best one was most probably uh, Webster, Gavin Webster. Mm-hmm. He was he was a lefty you know, but, uh, he, he wasn't as big as Terrence, but he, he was as fast as smart, had a good arm. you know, he was, uh, I, I was just blessed. We had, we had, uh, great receivers. Uh, of course, Jarvis Landry, you know, but before Jarvis, we had his brother and this was, uh, let's say this would be 2003. And, uh, he had several uh, scholarships offer, and uh, he was a good receiver. We, we were fortunate enough to win the state state championship with them. But look, that's after losing four games, and then we I don't even know how we made the playoffs. But, but uh, <laughs> we got hot at the right time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's some I, great uh, players, Coach. Yeah, yeah Brad Zeller. Yeah. You know, seemed like the some of the great ones. Wall left-handed. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Coach. I was fortunate to have a guy by the name of Lionel Washington
1: and Wilford Simon. You know, uh, poor Wilford. You know, we had Lionel on the podcast last year and uh mac as we call him you know yeah. and, and then he's in the hall of fame in louisiana hall of fame and then uh you know wilford simon he was a great player but every monday coach every monday to come to my office coach i can't practice it was wrong I said my arm hurts every monday had the same arm that was hurt <laughs> that's <laughs> the Wilfred i know <laughs> <laughs> but, come, but come friday night i mean he was lights out you know what i mean yeah, he was right. healthy again right. <laughs> coach uh you know um Tell me a little bit about the Lutcher Quarterback Club. It's, it's, it's still known as the, one of the best quarterback clubs in the entire state because of participation. It's an
2: all-meal it, club. It is. Well, you know, today's Tuesday, and, uh, you know, tomorrow everybody's going to want to know why you didn't come, you know, and I'm going to tell them, you know, Frank had me in the podcast. It's going to be all Frank's fault. But but they, uh, they start on Monday cleaning the chicken, you know. They'll cook uh, anywhere between 600 to 800 lunches now not that many people come but they start selling it, it used to be four now it's three i think now they might it might even open up at two o'clock but they'll they'll sell or just depending on on the weather and what between 400 and 600 during the day and then they always keep at least 200 for the meeting And uh, now the crowd hasn't been as big as when, when you and I was there, but, but uh, last uh, week when I went, it was uh, about 130, which I, I know some high schools would die just to have uh, 130 people come to the Booster Club meeting. But, um, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, we'd have uh, 150, 160 easy, and then for the big game, it, we'd be pushing 200. You know, it, it's, may, it's not to that point uh, right now, but, but it's still very successful, and uh, uh, those guys – they have a good time. Whether we win or lose, you know, they're they having a good time. I, I remember that, Tim. And
1: it's all, it's all stag. And I remember one when, when year a guest speaker tried to bring his wife in. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we were embarrassed. His wife go sit in the car, you know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, was, and it And it, there might be a libation or two that they, that they also sell there. So, uh, I remember, in fact, I coached at St. Charles and, and uh, well after you did. But, but um, the name – you gave the complex the name that it has now, and you you had a lot of lot of success there. You turned that program around from nothing before you took the to, the Lutcher job, and but that complex still stands. It's been renovated, but it still stands today. And you, you're the one that gave the name. Tell me, tell us, uh, how did you come about with that name?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, commons We 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 were commons and uh, it was at that time. And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. It most probably was the best building on campus, you know. So it was a it was a nice complex. So I just came up with a complex, you know, and uh, everybody loved it. And uh, I, I'm glad it's still there. I'm glad they didn't tear it down, you know. But uh, you 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 built a, a better one, two story, which was a. Because I know you always talked about that, wanted it in your office over the field. So yeah. Get, but, yeah. Uh, but look, I, I, there's a lot of uh, people that helped. You know, they, they, they had people signing the contract because we had no money, you know, and about 30-something people signed it, and that's how we got the shell of it. And then uh, I don't want to mention those names, as these initials, nich- these initials, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I better, I better but anyway he was in, in charge of everybody at marathon so if you worked at marathon you volunteered to come help on the comic <laughs> <laughs> i
1: remember the story i got a little secret too tim um, when we built the new uh the new building and um we had to register. They get a permit. We put it down as a tractor ship. So <laughs> We had a big roll-up, roll-up window, so in case anybody came to inspect it, we put a tractor in there. So it, we weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, I want to swap you to uh, just a little bit. Uh, what's your opinion now about the NIO? My fear is that the NIO stuff is already crept into high schools, and and um, uh, what change would you like to see happen well, in,
2: in sports? Uh, I'll sum it up in one sentence. I've been saying this for months. It's, it's the ruination of college football. <laughs> I can't stand it. I mean, I, uh, you know, I don't mind the, the being able to transfer the one time stuff, but but it's uh, it, it's kind of like, well, I always dreamed about going here. or, they, or I want to play for this guy. Or no, but hey, who who can offer me the most money, and that's that's where I'm going. I, I don't think college football should be about that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, Coach. And you know, I was mentioned to our host uh, just last night on the phone how. Uh, the college and the NFL look the same now. I mean, it, really, some of these guys, people are making more money in, in, oh, yeah. in, in college of they are in the pros. Why go pro? You know, it's oh, a, right. it's a, the LSU's got several cases of that on their own campus and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, I don't know if the difference, whatever happened to the student athlete uh, and you're just playing for books and tuition. I don't know what's happened mm-hmm. with that. Yeah,
2: those days are over. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
1: Well, Coach, listen, I enjoyed it. Is there anything else you'd like to add with, with, our, with our program?
2: No, I, just, I thank you for inviting me. You know, uh, you know, sometimes I like to ramble. I thought, I thought, sure you would, you would bring up on the LHSA, you would bring up the story about uh, Don Torres, but we're not going to talk about that. Go ahead, go ahead, <laughs> bring it. Bring <laughs> <in>. it. No. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs>
1: no. No, I was going to leave that for another, another day. But, yeah, but Coach, you, you, you've been, you've been great for the state, for the state, uh, for football in all the committees. You're well, well respected everybody wants more I, I don't know if the people know it now you're now on the school board you're on the zoning committee you're on a lot of committees you go to a lot of meetings now because you respect your beginners love your, your, your wisdom <laughs> you know they love you with them and i'm sure you do it for the salary you know stuff. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but, but but coach you, you've always been an inspiration to a lot of guys and you've touched a lot of people and uh i just uh, hope and pray that we'll be friends for a long long time and just remember i am available for lunch Monday through Friday. And please tell Wanda the same <laughs> thing,
2: will you? Okay. And I do Weedle. want to say one thing, though. I want to get this on the air. It, you know, when you're going to gyms and, at high school, they, uh, they have all these district banners and stuff. It's, it's it was great. It, That's it, all great. But at Lutcher, we only put state championship banners. There's 50-something of them up there. Now we're running we run out of room. But the point I want to make, Frank, right, is that somebody started FCA, you know, at Lutcher. I don't wanna mention no names, but his initials was Frank Monica. And 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 you know, he might have left a guy high and dry because he took the two-lane job and and left this guy with two buses full of, of wild kids to bring him to to Mount But all I wanna say is, seems like when we started the FCA at a school, we really were just really blessed with, with when you see all the bands, I tell everybody, hey, y'all look, and and hey, we started FCA in the mid-70s. I said look from the mid-70s on and count those banners. So, you know. You know, when you promise to, to give all the glory to him, you know, he takes care of it. So I just wanted to mention <laughs> that. And thanks for starting that. I think,
1: I think I thank you so much, Tim, for bringing that up. Because our first time we went to Estes Paul, Colorado, and uh, Paul Keller gave us a, a van from the parish with no spare tire, didn't know it at the time. 26 consecutive hours we drove to get there with eight guys. Now, that group came back and started a band. That, that was pretty cool. That's what yeah. that, that originated. But, coach, we thank you so much. And please give the family my best. And and uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon, I'm sure,
2: often. I hope so. Hey, thanks for having <laughs> thank me on. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, coach. Thank you. Bye
0: bye. We want to once again thank head coach Tim Detillier for joining us on the Lesby Frank video podcast. We'd also like to thank LSR for being a sponsor of the Lesby Frank podcast. LSR produces Southern Cane. Pure cane sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. Southern cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Rousey Supermarkets. We'll be back after the break. Samuel Licardo Jr. and R.E.P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local Associated Grocers and Rouse's supermarkets.
3: Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen.
0: Welcome back to segment three of the Let's Be Frank video podcast and before we get started we want to once again thank our sponsor Riverlands Insurance for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank podcast since 1972 Riverlands Insurance has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you your family your assets and your business so we want to go ahead and get started with our Let's Be Frank segment today coach is going to discuss spread offenses getting less penalized coach can you discuss why that is and how you maybe built that approach into your game. Well, uh, I'm
1: talking uh, strictly from experience, uh, Jason, as a high school guy. Now, in, in college, it's a little bit different because these guys are, have more training and more clinics, and, and uh, you get a lot of not a new guys that, that get into the officiating business, which is hard. I want you to understand there's a big officiating shortage in Louisiana, probably all over the country because people don't want to do that. Uh, anymore, But the, the bottom line is what I've noticed is that if you're a traditional huddle up football team, uh, the game slows down a little bit and officials are, are in better position to see things and they, they'll pay more attention to a slower team. Uh, and, and consequently, what's happened now, there are only five officials that a lot of organizations are sending to a game compared to seven. In a normal game, there'll be seven, plus they'll have a clock operator and a 40-second a clock operator. So you're talking about nine officials there. But some people cannot afford, they don't have enough officials. In fact, they're making some people play on Thursday night. But what I've noticed is that in a ball game, if you have five officials, even seven, uh, a fast-paced offense, no huddle, no huddle offense, uh, first of all, they should give the, the defense time to, to settle. In high school, they don't. Uh, in, in college, they have to they have to wait for the substitution to take place. But in high school, you can play awfully fast. So what that does, uh, an offensive lineman can do maybe get away with more things when he's when he's playing faster. Because those the have to one worry about spotting the ball, which is the power. The white hat is to set the ball in play. The 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 head the head lineman on the sideline he has to worry about the change in the down markers and stuff like that. And the back judge, I mean, they have to worry about the 42nd clock. So they have a lot of things to do. So they're so busy moving the ball and, and spotting the ball in a no-huddle offense, fast-paced offense, they don't look traditionally at the, at the, as hard as the huddle team. Now, they do get penalized, but it's normally a false start. It's normally maybe a hold on the perimeter that they can see, but in the, the interior line. So I think that, and uh, in fact, I have statistics to prove that that fast pace, fast pace versus the no huddle versus the huddle up team, the huddle up team will definitely get more penalized than the, the fast pace team. Now, not saying that I'm, I'm really sh- speaking about the offensive side of the ball. On a defensive side of the ball, I mean that's all. That's all relative. But yet, officials have a problem uh, getting the ball ready, getting the clock started. And all, of, and they're moving themselves with the, with the fast-paced offense. They're moving themselves, so they don't get a chance to really hone in it. And no matter what anybody says, they are watching the ball at the end. So I I really think that you know offensive linemen, uh, really in a fast-paced offense, do not have to be as proficient, and they can get away with maybe a hold or two as long as they play fast. And I know from experience. Um, even though a team doesn't block you on defense because they're fast paced, you don't have time to line up and, and you don't have time to, to, to change the coverages or personnel. So that really impacts the ball game. So basically what I'm saying, um, I, I really think that that huddle up football teams get get a lot more penalized than teams that, that play a lot faster if they're executing. Now, I'm not talking about just some slappy team that has a problem getting a snap or something like that, but a well-coached football team that, that, that plays really fast. Uh, I know for a fact, and I got statistics to prove it over the, over the years, And um, because these officials just don't have enough training uh, to, to handle that. And you got a lot of new officials, and, and bless their hearts that they're doing it anyway. Uh, because every time you talk to someone, they say, we need more officials. And like I said, a, a lot of people are, are leaving that profession. It doesn't pay great, uh, but you need them. Uh, they're a necessary evil, and they have to learn new 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 rules every year. So you see that. All the time, uh, you know, with the with the with with the penalties and stuff like that, not knowing exactly what's called. The obvious things are there, you know, the interferences and in those things. But um, I think going back to my original point, I definitely feel that spread offenses get penalized a lot less.
0: Coach, what would be your solution if you were in charge of officiating, with understanding the shortage? How would you approach if you were in charge of officiating? getting the all the calls on the field uh how how would you make sure that the officials are trained or uh put in specific position how how would you approach it
1: well it's really difficult to me because there's a big i think what needs to happen a lot of our young guys coming out of that love football like yourself first days that love football they need to be trained to say hey let's convince you to be an official you, one, you can make a little sideline money because you can you can probably call a game every every Thursday and Friday if you want to, and even more with the JV games, which are, which are a lot shorter. But you have to convince them that it's a thing to do. Uh, give them the proper training that they have, and they they do. Uh, Coach Lee Houston is in charge for the LHSAA, and he's always begging people to try to find younger people, find younger people coming out of high school that play. Let's start training them early, and who knows where they'll be? I know Jason Lede, who's who's a St. Charles graduate that played for, he's now in the NFL as an official and he loves it. So who, who knows where that's going to take you one day and stuff like that. But it's often difficult to convince people to do that because it's not for the, for the money, but they have to have the love of football first. And they, they, they might want to do that. Now they have to have the, the time to do it. You know, if they have a, a busy family and stuff like that, I understand, but it's a thankless job, but they need to, uh, I think the coaches need to get involved with it. The coaches need to convince and talk to people in the community at booster clubs and say, Hey, why don't you guys just start on the lower level and see if you like it. If you don't like it, it's fine. But uh, the, the, there's a big part of that, I think, that the high school coaches can do. They convince them. that, And, you know, nobody was harder and efficient than myself because I kept them the same standard did my players. But the, the bottom line is that you want them to get the call correct. And I, I've said this before in this group. I think the, I think the huddle situation, they certainly can, can review plays. They do for state championship. Why can't you do it for, for, the, for the, the, all the games? I uh, watched the game the other night. There was a 60-inch screen on the sideline that the team had, showing the, his own players the mistakes that they were making. So don't tell me officials can't do something similar to that.
0: And, Coach, that's a point you brought up last season about about discussions that you've had on the field with officials. We're going to have to come back to that and circle around somewhere down the line on the show about your relationship with officials over the years. <laughs> so you've had some pleasant and some not-so-pleasant conversations. We're going to dive into that over the course of this show. But – um, in our Blitz the Ball Coach segment, we're going to go ahead and talk to you about how to build a team's culture.
1: Okay. I think the first thing that you do, Jason, you, before you interview for a job, the first thing you do, you talk to the administration. Oh, these are my, this is my want list. Okay. The administration must support you. They must, they must like athletics. They, they they need to understand that athletics is the front porch of their school. I think that's important. They must give you the finances, the finances to, to get by sh- shoulder pads and helmets and footballs and, and also pay the coaches because you, you have, you can't do it by yourself. You need real, real good coaches, uh, good coaching staff. are hard to find uh, and good well, coaches nowadays are hard to find because uh, you know, a lot of young guys want to go into coaching, but, but they understand they have to teach too. And a lot of them don't want to teach. They just want to coach. Well, unfortunately they can't take a spot up and just be a coach because, uh, they're, they're kicking some good teacher out, out of the school. Uh, so I think it's important and, and yet the administration needs to help you with the scheduling of the athletes. It needs to help you with the, with the, in, in terms of uh, giving you hiring good, good people around you, you know, and always support staff. Um, you know what you you want you're gonna support the, the academic side of it, but you want to you want them also to give you the schedule that, that can be conducive to us winning, making sure our kids I, I get them in in the right physical education class to help out with their, their weightlifting. Uh I, I believe that you, you go to the school, as soon as you go into school you take a job, you start recruiting the, the hallway. In other words, you go up to said certainly I uh, want you to do something. I uh, want you to come out for football. And he looks at you, gives out. they go on to look like what are you talking about? I said, Why don't you try it? I can't tell you the amount of players that I've gotten out of the hallways mm-hmm. and just by one thing, by asking them. And he said, I said, why didn't you play before? He said, No one asked me. They don't know. They don't know just to volunteer. But if you shows show them some uh, appreciation, show them a little love and attention. They might come out for the team, but you can start with numbers. You start to build a program with numbers. That, that starts your culture. And all of a sudden, for every kid you put there, you got two fa- parents in the bleachers, maybe four grandparents in the bleachers also. So I think you recruit your hallways, okay? Then I start with the, the discipline part, making players accountable. What I mean about everything, you make them accountable about their homework, make, them, make sure that you do a grade check. Uh, you make them accountable to make sure they're on time at practice, the accountability in the weight room, and you give them discipline. You remember, kids don't need friends. They got plenty of friends. You, you need to discipline them because I think that's so important. Uh, as as parents nowadays, you know, a lot of them want to be their friends and coaches the same way. They they, they don't they, they don't want to correct the kid, you know. So I think you, you, football gives you structure, and I think you know kids kids will come to because they want structure. Everybody wants to be told what to do. Okay, and I was and the last one, Give the game the integrity that it deserves. You're playing a great sport here. You're playing a team sport, and you, you're going to get when you graduate one day the relationship that you have here will last forever. And it's not about a trophy on the wall; it's about the relationship that you that 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 you build. It and you know. And last but not least, a head coach cannot delegate this, all his responsibility. He can delegate offense and defense but there's some big issues that he has to take care of and he has to be the leader in those cases. And that's not the, that's not the assistant coach's job. I think the most important thing is that head coach must be the leader and he must make the tough calls when the time comes.
0: Thank you, coach. And we're going to go ahead and move on to our final segment, which is our lock of the week. Uh, I had a a bad beat last week, coach. Um, I picked a, a rough one in Kansas state and Missouri. Um, you had better luck than me taking Florida, who won huge. Who do you like this week? Well, I, I, Jason,
1: I, I did like Clemson, but I'm I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Washington. I think Clemson is like a, a wounded nutrient. it's in the corner and it has got to win. You know what I mean? So I'm but I'm going to go with Washington and 21 points uh, over Cal because I think Washington is one of the better. And i said this before in this program. I think they're one of the better teams in the whole country.
0: And they definitely have an opportunity to show it uh, as the season goes down the stretch. Pac-12 is looking like a really strong conference. I'm going to go with South Carolina over Mississippi State. The Gamecocks are at home, favored by six and a half. I I think Mississippi State is either a make or break moment. I'm banking on the break, uh, but we'll see how things play out. But that'll do it for our show. And... Again, we'll be back here next week once again. But make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. Follow us on Facebook, at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. At Facebook is the Let's Be Frank video podcast. On Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, it's at the LBF podcast. And, of course, you can listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So, Coach, that'll do it for this show. Any final thoughts before we head out?
1: Uh, Jason, yes, uh, I'd just like to make an announcement and our sympathies and and prayers go out with the Buddy Tevens family. Coach Buddy Tevens, a former head coach at, at Tulane that I worked for for six years, has passed away. Um, it was a result of a, a bicycle accident uh, back in back in March. And, um, and so, uh, keep him in our prayers, please, and, and and just continue to go to church on Sunday.
0: Thank you, Coach. And again, we um, want to give our hearts and prayers out to him and his family. And. Um, that'll do it for us please make sure to join us next Wednesday night again at 7 o'clock so for everybody here at BSN I'm Jason Dewey and remember was they they've all told label the control